Redeemer, good morning. Hey, uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Brian. I'm the executive director here at Redeemer. Um, and we are in week four of a series that we are calling Faith Fatigue. Now, if, you, uh, if you've been with us through this series, you know that um, in, in this series, we've been looking at four different versions of faith that so often we choose to live into, that we were never invited to live into. Four versions of faith that when we choose to live into these things, it leaves us feeling fatigued, just tired of doing this thing we call faith. And what we're doing is we're looking at that and saying, okay, well, how do we recover from a place like that? How, how do we recover to the place of living into the kind of faith that Jesus invites us into, the kind of faith that will transform your life and that will be used to transform the lives of those that you minister to? Throughout this whole series, I've been telling you that, that when you choose to follow Jesus, you become the minister. That, that, that you become the minister. That, that being a minister is not just the job of the pastors or the, and the church staff. Being a minister is the job of every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. That when you choose to follow Jesus, you become the minister. Now, in this series, too, we've been looking at, um, at the faith, the, this, this unrelenting faith of a guy named Paul throughout the Bible. And specifically, we're looking at his faith in, the, in a book of the Bible called the book of Acts. And Paul, as we've discovered through this series, we've, we've seen how he's lived this kind of transformational faith. That, 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 that Paul didn't live off of borrowed faith. He owned his faith. It was personal to him. That, 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 that Paul, he didn't, he didn't jump on, on the bandwagon faith, right? Just kind of doing what everybody else was doing and, and saying what everybody else was saying and, and, and just doing whatever was, was trendy in the moment. No, no, no. He had an anchored faith, a faith that was anchored in the love of Jesus, the, the love that Jesus had for him, and therefore the love that he needed to show towards others, because that's how Jesus loved them. That, that Paul, Paul, he didn't, he didn't fall for this kind of bored faith, but instead, instead he lived with miraculous faith, the kind of faith that, that was expecting God to do what he, what Paul, could never have done on his own. That, that Paul, he lived this kind of extraordinary faith. And today I want to look at the fourth dynamic of this transformational faith that Jesus invites us into. This fourth dynamic of faith that, that Paul lived into. That completely transformed the lives of those that he ministered to. And, and the fourth dynamic of faith that I want to talk about is what I'm simply calling faith on assignment. Faith on Assignment. Paul puts it this way in, in Acts chapter 20, starting at verse, verse 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You see, Paul, Paul knew exactly what Jesus put him on this planet to do. Paul knew exactly why he was here. He knew his assignment. That Paul's assignment was so crystal clear to him. To, to tell people about Jesus. And, and specifically, to tell Gentiles, right? People who, who never thought that they were part of God's story. To tell those people about Jesus. This is why, why over and over again, when we read about Paul's story, um, especially in the book of Acts, that, that he'll show up and he'll start by talking to, to the Jewish people, people who already thought they were part of God's story. And every time he did that, they kicked him out because that wasn't his assignment. 
That Paul, Paul gets kicked out of those spaces, so we find him over and over and over again with, with prisoners and prison guards and people of other faiths and other religions because those are the people that Paul was assigned to minister to. This is, why, this is why over and over again we see Paul, he's planting church after church and city after city, but he never hunkers down at one church for too long. Because that's not his assignment. His assignment is to tell people far from God about God, right? So this this is who Paul is. Paul was crystal clear about what his assignment from God was. That Paul lived with faith on assignment. So my question for you is, what's your assignment? What has God assigned you to do? What What has Jesus put you on this planet to accomplish? Right? What, what, what I, uh, you know, I've got a, a buddy. I've got a friend who his, his assignment from God is, is real crystal clear to him. That his assignment is to, to bring a, a system of racial justice to the school systems. I've got another friend who, who her, her assignment is to create gatherings for, for people to come and find rest and to be able to relax together. But that's what, one of the things that God has put her on this planet to do. What about you? What is your God-given assignment? See, what I know about, about assignments, what I've learned over time, is that your assignment will position you to minister. Your assignment will always position you to minister to someone else, that God is going to use your strengths, your gifts, and this assignment that he has so that you might minister to other people and be a blessing, to be able to transform the lives of other people because of the, the ministry that you're doing there. What is your assignment? You see, for me, for me, my assignment has, well, one of my assignments has like developed and it's changed over time. That, that way back when I was in high school, God had given me this assignment to show people um, who were not Christian what a non-judgmental Christian could look like. That was my assignment. And so all through high school, that's what I did. Over time, that eventually developed and, and, and I started working at a church and, and God gave me this assignment. Okay, bring that into the church. And specifically for me at that time, that was the youth ministry. That's what I was responsible for. And so what what I was assigned to do was to create an environment in the youth ministry where people who were far from God could come and say, this place, this people, this is home for me. And, and, and this is why last week, you know, I shared with you the, the, the story that I'd been in ministry for, for like, a, uh, you know, over a decade. And, and, and I, I personally had never, I couldn't remember a time where I got to sit down and, like, pray with someone to receive Jesus or say yes to Jesus. I mean, lives are being transformed all over the place. And I know that that was, like, like people were saying yes to Jesus in other places. But, but I, I, like, in our youth ministries, and our camp ministries, but I, I had never personally been part of it. Because what I learned was that I was living off assignment, I had to get back on assignment, and I started to, to see things change. Now, now God has developed this assignment in me to, is to bring that kind of culture, that kind of uh, 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 community to the wider church here, where people who don't believe in God, who, who maybe aren't Christian, could come to a space like this and say, this still feels like home to me. I mean, for me, that's my assignment. And, and I share this with you because, you know, I, and I, what I've learned about this whole idea is like I share this and, and it sounds almost as if it's like, hey, you know, here's your assignment. And then that developed here and then that developed into here and then everything was great and things kept going forward and yeah, it was awesome. And that is just so far from the truth. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. When, when you choose to live on assignment, it is awesome. It is so much fun. It is exciting. And it is riddled with heartache. And when you choose to live on assignment, when you choose to do the thing that God has put you on this planet to do, you on this planet to do, people are going to come out and criticize you. That you're going to try to minister to people and they are going to reject you. 
Right? This whole notion of like, hey, just give your life to Jesus and everything will be great. Everything will be happy. You'll, be, you'll have a wonderful life for the rest of it. Listen, that, that's just not true. It's hard. Like the, the, the kind of faith that Jesus invites you into is not a, hey, give your life to me and, and I'll make everything wonderful and hunky-dory for you, right? There'll be rainbows and unicorns and butterflies. Yay! That's not the kind of faith that Jesus invites us into. See, um, even Paul, right? I mean, the, the verse that we just, we just read together, right? This is what Paul says. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, right? Like, it's almost this like rally cry, like, my life is nothing unless I do this thing. It's going to be great, right? And yet, and yet, check out what he says, like, right before this. This, this is what he says leading up to that statement. Paul says, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, that I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. And I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know what awaits me there, except that the Holy Spirit tells me, in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. I, uh, I started to play football in eighth grade. In fact, it's the only year that I played football. Um, I'd grown up, I love fantasy football. I shared this with you a while back, but I love fantasy football. I do pick up games of football with my buddies all the time. But, but in eighth grade, I finally decided I'm going to join the football team. So I joined the football team, and, and, uh, and, and you know, the, the, I knew nothing about football at all. And so the coach was like, well, be the receiver. You just run fast and catch the ball. I was like, I can, well, I can run fast. <laughs> I don't know about catching the ball. So he put me in running back. He tried that. Well, one, one game came, came around, and, and, uh, and the coach pulled me aside and said, okay, Brian, you're going to be the cornerback in this game. And my first response was, what's that? <laughs> You're going to play the cornerback. Okay, that's the guy who, who's on defense that defends the wide receiver. I said, okay, okay, I can do that, coach. Um, and so the coach, he, he fully, he's kind of telling me about this. He says, okay, Brian, here's, here's, here's your assignment. Defend the receiver, tackle the guy with the ball. That's it. Defend the receiver, tackle the guy with the ball. I said, great, coach, I can do that. All right, so I got in the game. What I didn't know at the time was that this was also, just so happened to be the team that had the eighth grader who was six foot four, 260 pounds, okay? And they put him at the run, as the running back. <laughs> yeah, so one of the first plays of the game, what do they do? They hand it to this monster of a guy, and, uh, and I know that I look huge and strong. I am tiny. <laughs> this, this monstrosity of an eighth grader comes flying through the line, like just like flicking the lineman out of the way. And, uh, and so here I am, I'm like, I got this guy, and I bend down, and I go, wham, and I hit this guy like a freight train, except I was the one flying backwards. <laughs> I, I got run over so hard, I, 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 I must have blacked out for a minute or something, because I'm laying on my back, and I, all I remember is I opened my eyes, and all I could see was red. 
I'm like feeling my, like, am I bleeding? What is going on? It's just red. And I stand, you know, stand up and I kind of do one of these things and I'm like wobbling to the side. You know, and the coach is like, Brian, get back in the game. Can't do it, coach. <laughs> I need to sit this one off for a minute. For the rest of the game, I couldn't talk straight. I couldn't see straight to me. For the rest of the game, everything was blurry. Everything was blurry. And I, I share that with you because for some of you, that is where your story of faith is right now. Now, for some of you, for some of you, you, you can remember a time when, when you were owning your faith, when, 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 when you, you were, were, were living with this anchored faith and in the love of Jesus, that you were loving people like crazy, trying to show people Jesus. You, you can remember back to a time where you were living with miraculous faith, when you were living in such a way where you were expecting God to do what you could never do on your own. And then, then something happened that rocked your world. Something happened that rattled your faith. And now, when you look ahead, everything just seems blurred. And you're living with blurred faith. Today, this is the fourth version of faith that I want to talk about with you. This idea of blurred faith. Blurred faith is simply this. Blurred faith is living off focus from what God has assigned you to do. It's living off focus from what God has assigned you to do. That for some of you, you can remember a time where, when you were living into the assignment that God had given to you, but then something happened, and it just left everything blurred for you. You see, some of you, some of you, you used to minister to your neighbors. You used to have these neighbors that, that you would care for and, and you would love on, and, and, and you knew that they were your assignment. But, but after, you know, at one point in time, they moved away. And now, and now your faith is blurred. That, 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 that it, it's hard to know what your assignment is because, because those neighbors aren't there anymore. But it's been six years, and you haven't gotten back on assignment. For some of you, you used to serve in the, in the youth ministry, in the kids' ministry, and, and you were making a difference, but then, but then one day life got busy. Or, or maybe, maybe the students that you were ministering to, um, they graduated from the program. And, and now... Now your faith is blurry, and you're not living on assignment anymore. You see, for some of you, some of you, you used to be heroes of faith to someone. You used to be mothers of faith and fathers of faith. But, but then when the time came that you, need, you wanted to pass the baton onto the next generation, you used that as a resignation from living on assignment. And now your faith is blurry. Some of you, some of you you, 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 you had this moment in time where you, you felt like God was calling you to go serve, to join a team and to get involved and start serving somewhere. And so you joined a team, but because you had this horrible experience that left you in tears, you've stopped serving. But the team that you joined was, was really clicky and they never talked to you. But the team that you, you, you joined, they, they gave you the assignment to, to minister to someone who was so ungrateful and even offensive towards you. That, that, that you, you were trying to, to serve and minister, but, but gosh, it just left your heart broken. And so you've stopped serving. Some of you, you used to lead a growth group. That you knew that God was assigning you, that he was calling you to lead a group, but over time those people stopped showing up. And so you, you took that as, as well, you've failed. So maybe this, maybe this isn't where God has, has called you to be. And, and now you're living off assignment. That, that you took your hurt feelings as a, a sign that, 
that maybe God never called you there in the first place. And you've never gotten back in the game. And for you, for you, when you look at your faith, it's blurred. But you know God has an assignment for you. That God has called you to do something, to be somewhere, to be ministering somewhere. But when you look at what that is, everything just seems like a blur. So it begs the question, how, how do we get away from this? How do we recover from a blurred faith, right? How, how do you get back to living with faith on assignment? Or even more poignant for like some of us, how do you figure out what your assignment is in the first place, right? I mean, how, what does it look like to get back to being on assignment, to having faith on assignment? And, and I've got really good news for you and really bad news for you. <laughs> If you want to live with faith on assignment, here's the good news. It is not complicated. But here's the bad news. You are going to try and make it complicated. <laughs> if you want to live with faith on assignment, it is so simple. And what I know is going to happen is that you are going to try to make it complicated. Okay, here is how you can start living with faith on assignment. You ready for this? Listen to Jesus. Do what he says. That's it. Listen to Jesus. And do what he says. If you want to live with faith on assignment, listen to Jesus and do what he says. Now, you ready for this? Because I know I am making this complicated in my head right now. Because what happens? Oh, okay, well, I got to listen to Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Well, I don't know what Jesus' voice sounds like. How do I, how do I listen? What if I do it wrong? What if I, what, if I get, what if I hear the wrong voice? What if I do the wrong thing? What if, what if I do something and, it, and I fail? What if I, what, what if I go out and I do the wrong thing and it hurts someone? Oh my gosh, what, what, what happens if I listen to the wrong thing? What hap- how do you hear this? How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? How do I live on assignment? And we overcomplicate it. And, and here's the deal. Every one of those questions deserves an answer. It does. Just not right now. Right now, the call for you is to listen to Jesus and do what he says. And maybe even a more helpful way of putting this for some of you is is to listen to what Jesus has told you already. And then go do that. You see, for some of you, some of you, you know how to pray and hear God's voice. Like, you've, you've been doing this. For, you know how, what God's voice sounds like. You know how to listen to God. You know how to hear his voice. And you know how to go do what he says. If that's you, go do what he said. <laughs> but for others of you, hearing God's voice in prayer, maybe that just sounds odd to you, or you, you, just, you haven't ever been able to do that or figure that out. And, and if that's you, great. Because if that's you, then go read your Bible. And in fact, read the parts where Jesus is teaching. And, and when something starts to resonate with you, when something that Jesus said starts to make sense to you, go do that. And go live on assignment. And if reading your Bible is too hard, if like that's just like kind of like, I don't even have a Bible, like if that's you, great, because I still have an invitation for you. In fact, I have an invitation for all of us, Redeemer. Um, In 2016, my wife and I had our first kid, Daniel. And if you've ever been uh, parents before, you know, your first time parents, you, you know how crazy it is when you have your first kid, right? It doesn't matter. It does not matter how many books you've read or how many people you've, t- like you, you think you know how to take care of a kid and then you go home with a kid and you, oh. <laughs> 
So we, we had our first kid. We're about a month into this thing, and we are exhausted. There is no sleep happening. We're just scrambling, trying, well, how do you feed it? What's the schedule? Where do we go? How do we? It, it was exhausting. And, uh, and a family from our church here one day comes knocking on our door, and, and here they have made us a big old meal. And on top of that meal was a, a present, and on top of the present was a, a card. So we brought the meal inside, and it lasted us for a couple of days, and, and we opened up this present, and it was a book for, for Daniel, um, and it's a book that we still read to him and our youngest son, Luke. We still read it to him all the time. It's one of their favorite books. And inside that card was, you know, it said, well, congratulations, and inside was this $50 gift card with a little note that said, hey, anytime you need a babysitter, let us know, and we're there. We'll treat you out for dinner. You see, for this family, they, this wasn't like a service project that they signed up for, right? This was simply them listening to Jesus and doing what he said. That was it. You see, for this family, they, they had a heart for, for young parents like, like we were. <laughs> and, and so in that moment, all they did was listen to Jesus and do what he said. And to them, this was such a small thing. But to, to my wife and I, this was everything. To be able to have a night out, to, to be able to just rest a little bit, to have some fun together, this was everything to us. You see, what we learned is that small things done with great love make a kingdom impact. Small things done with great love makes a kingdom impact. And, and I, I started thinking, like, okay, if we want to live with faith on assignment, if we want to live in a way that ministers to people, we've got to learn how to serve people. And it doesn't need to be this big extravagant thing. It can just be this small little something done with great love, and that God can use that to make a kingdom impact, which is why Redeemer, Redeemer, we started talking as a staff. We started praying about this, and and saying, God, what would it look like for us to become a church of ministers? What would it look like for us to become a church of servants, of people who would go out into the community and serve? And so we, as, as a church, we have declared the month of July, Serve Month. This July, everything that we are doing is about serving people out there, serving people in your neighborhood, serving people in your home, serving people at your work, serving people in your school, so getting out and serving. July is Serve Month. Here's what July is not. July is not, hey, Redeemer has 25 different things that you can sign up for, all different service projects, so sign up for yours today, and we'll go, no, it's none of that. July serve month is simply this. You listen to Jesus and do what he says. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. You, as a family, as a growth group, as an individual, you listen to Jesus and then go do that, and you are going to start serving. Can you imagine what it would look like if hundreds of us chose to do small things with great love and the kingdom impact that that would make. That's what this July is going to look like. And Redeemer, you get to be part of it. And just so you know how all in we are on this, all through the month, we are going to be doing these things. We're going to be serving. We're going to be encouraging you, helping you to listen to Jesus, going out and serving. We're going to be resourcing you. We are going to release you to go serve. But, but on the last Sunday in July, July 31st, this is how all in we are. On July 31st, that Sunday... There is no service. It's only serve, okay? That Sunday morning, we're going to gather for about 10 minutes right here on site and online, and we're going to just commission you, and then we're kicking you out of the building. 
That's church on Sunday morning, July 31st, okay? It, we are going to make a difference. We are going to go out and serve. We are going to see things happen because we're going to believe that God can do more in us and through us than we could ever do on our own. We're going to listen to Jesus and do what he says. And he, here, here's the deal. I can't tell you all the details of what this is going to look like for you. I have no idea what this is going to look like for you. You see, Paul, Paul had his assignment, right? Paul knew that he was supposed to go tell people who didn't know about Jesus, about Jesus. What he didn't have was a big, long, detailed list of all the ways that he's going to go out and all the places he's going to go and all the people he's going to speak to and how he's going to talk to them. And all. He didn't know any of the details. All he had was his assignment. For me and like where I'm at now, I know what my assignment is. God didn't download this like playbook of like step by step here, just do all these things in the right order and then we'll be great. None of that. I don't know the details. And you don't either. I have no idea what serve month is going to look like for any of you. I have no idea. But Jesus does. So the invitation is simple. Listen to Jesus and then go do what he says. Redeemer, we are going to be a people who serves. And here's the deal. Doing this, living with faith on assignment, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. For, for some of us, it might even be dangerous. And, and it is the way to live into the kind of faith that Jesus invites you to live into. A kind of faith that will transform your life and be used to transform the lives of those you minister to. Redeemer, we are going to be a people who serve. We are going to be a people who are living with faith on assignment. And we're going to see the ways that God transforms lives because of the ways that he's transforming our lives and the way that we get to minister to others. As we, as we close, before I close in prayer, um, I, I, wanna, I, I just want to talk to those of you here who have, have maybe never chosen to follow Jesus before. That maybe you are here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never crossed the line of faith and, and believed in Jesus as your Lord. That maybe Jesus is a good idea and, and something you grew up with maybe in the background, but it's never really been who you are. And, and, and there's another group of you here too that, that once upon a time you believed in Jesus. But if you're honest right now, faith isn't really a thing in your life. And for those of you that that's who you are, that whether you've never followed Jesus before or just faith is not a, maybe a big deal in your life anymore, what I want you to know is that Jesus loves you. But to him, you're his assignment to show you his love, to care about you, to value you, to love on you. And that's the way that Jesus sees you. This morning, this morning, if that's you, if you need to say yes to Jesus, Maybe for the first time, or maybe you just need to recommit your life to Jesus, because, because if you're honest, it's just become a thing in the background, and it's time to make it the thing. It's time to make Jesus your Lord. Then in just a moment, I want to give you an invitation to say yes to following Jesus. So right now, Redeemer, I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in this moment, if that's you, if you're here and you know that you need to say yes to Jesus, that you're in that place and need to receive Jesus love. And you need to start living with a faith that can do miraculous things, not because of all the things you do, but because of all the things that God does through you. Today, if you need to say yes to Jesus right now in this moment, I want to invite you to raise your hand so that I can see you, to raise it high as in declaration of saying yes to Jesus. If that's you, do that right now. And if you're online, type the word yes. 
that's you, beautiful. 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 Redeemer, I want us to pray. In fact, if you, if you were the one who raised your hand or you typed yes today, uh, I want you to pray this prayer with me. But, but I don't want you to pray this alone. Redeemer, we, we pray this prayer together because faith isn't a journey that you do alone. It's something that we do as a family. It's something that we do together. So Redeemer, would we pray these words together? Would you pray this after me? Heavenly Father, sorry that I have sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Today I say yes to following you. Amen. Amen. Hey, Redeemer, can we celebrate those who said yes to Jesus today? Hey, saying yes to Jesus, recommitting your life to Jesus, that is no small thing. And listen, if that was you today, if you were one of the people that raised your hand and said yes today, I want to invite you after the service to stop at this blue table here, and we want to celebrate with you, we want to pray with you, and we want to help you take your next steps in your faith journey. If that's you, I would love for you to stop over at that blue table so we can do that with you. And if you did that, I did that online, if you said yes online, I want to invite you to go to RedeemerMN.org slash next steps, and there too we want to help you take your next steps in faith. Redeemer, we are going to become a community that is living with a transformational faith because that is the faith that Jesus has invited us into.